Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining us for this episode on Psalm 36, I'm glad to welcome back Grant Sork. Grant has recently graduated from William Jessup University. Congrats, Grant, and has long-term plans to pursue a master's in psychology. But for now, we're glad that he is continuing to serve and love our youth here at the church One thing also worth noting for this audio medium is that Grant has a pretty great sense of style. That really has nothing to do with our episode, but figured it warranted a mention. So let's get to the Psalms. To start us off, here's Grant reading Psalm 36. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. The words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or do good. Even on their beds, they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God! People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. May the foot of the proud not come against me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. See how the evildoers lie fallen thrown down, not able to rise. Grant, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Good to be back. Thank you for welcoming me again. I have to admit, I'm sitting here, I'm feeling a little intimidated. Do you have any idea why? I honestly have no idea. Okay, Should, here, I, should I play the guessing game? No, it's okay. I'll tell you why. <laughs> we are both wearing jeans today. Yes, sir. But I look across and your jeans have tasteful tears all throughout them. <laughs> And my jeans, I'm, I'm clearly not with it. You're lacking the tears I, in the I, jeans. I have no tears. There's not a single hole that's not a pocket in my jeans. So, oh, man. as I said in my intro, great sense of style. <laughs> Feeling a little overwhelmed. But you know what? The Psalms welcome all of us, whether we are cool or not. And I'm grateful that you said yes to having another conversation with me. Oh, yeah, of course. And for the record, I do think you're very stylish. Like, you have, you know, especially for like, you know, almost middle aged father, (laughs) you're nailing, you're nailing it, man. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. That sounded really mean, but sorry. Let's go back to the beginning of this. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. (laughs) Suddenly, Suddenly, it feels way more, way more needed than I realized. All right. Well, Grant, I love it. Grateful you're here. Grateful that apparently you just feel so comfortable on the podcast. Give me a hard time, but let's dive in. I'm really curious just to start with this opening question. What stood out to you in reading this psalm? Yeah, well, I mean, I love David. That's no secret. And Mm -hmm. I also love, I think I might have mentioned this before, but I always find it interesting when the psalms, well, when scripture in, in general, but the psalms does this a lot more consistently, like when it notes when it like addresses like evil and mm-hmm. it addresses like the woes that come with like the existence of evil. I always found that really interesting because, you know, when you're especially when you're younger reading the Psalms, it's like, oh, like, 
oh wow we're talking about like evil like <laughs> oh boy like you know so i i just find it really interesting that you know david and in and, and most of his psalms when he he notes evil and he talks about evil for a consistent amount of time in this but also just as equally talks about the goodness of god mm. and it's kind of interesting how he kind of builds this equation of like negative with positive and kind of like shows how it goes together kind of like makes this equation of like the evilness of, in the world with the goodness of god that is not of the world it's yeah of the heavens right as he says it yeah i love that image of an equation uh grant i think that's really helpful and the ways that these parts it strikes me and i don't know how you read this but there's really different parts to this psalm mm. like the break between verse four and verse five mm-hmm. seems really stark yeah like they commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong your love lord <laughs> right it's <laughs> like are we reading when I first read it, I was like, am I reading the same psalm here right. or has something really happened? Like no easy transition whatsoever. Yeah, Just right. very, very blunt. Yeah. Very blunt. But I think equation is a great way to think about it. There is a sense in which it is building on each other, right? You're mm-hmm. really developing a contrast. It's building to the final petition in the psalm. And this is what stood out to me is at first it seems like you have sort of three separate things going on. You have the wickedness, you have mm-hmm. God and his greatness, and then you have sort of the classic protect me from my enemies at the very end of the psalm right but when yeah to use your words again to use this equation and or the ways that maybe there's a story building or a petition building and you can see it as here here are the people here is what wickedness looks like kind of run amok right by contrast here here is god and his faithfulness the great contrast right to those who are wicked here's his loving kindness how great it is and also how close it is to me and now in light of that god i need protection from these people right Uh, Suddenly the pieces kind of come together in a different kind of way than just an initial reading. Hmm. Anything else that stood out to you? There were some things that kind of like had me thinking like like curiosity when it comes to this idea. Because like when it says here, like there is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves. And that kind of like kind of fascinates me because... Because, I mean, the human psychology kind of fascinates me in general, oh, yeah, right? You know, more. with my background and everything. So when I read that, I'm thinking in their own eyes, they flatter themselves. And so to me, you know, I, and I kind of like read a commentary on Blue Letter Bible that kind of helped me process that a little bit more. And had me thinking like, these people, are they like the heroes of their own story? Oh. Like, is that is that what this is? Where it's like even people who David and, and, and you know, that the Bible would recognize as as evil and wrongdoing Mm -hmm. like these people themselves are they like seeing themselves as like the heroes of their own stories because they're flattering themselves like wow like look at this good thing i'm doing when you know in a different context with this with a different lens that the scripture can give us it's like no like that's not good that's evil right and so also kind of it kind of almost provides in a way empathy for evildoers in a sense where it's like wow like they don't even recognize that they're evil like they don't even recognize their own wrongdoing like yeah. it doesn't it, they're not re- repelled by it and instead they they're flattered by it they're flattering themselves as david says and that has always been interesting for me too especially you know like early on in my christian journey i think one of the things that that the lord really had to help me grow in was like empathy for mm. for wrongdoers yeah, yeah yeah and so i think david i don't know if, i don't think this was david's intention <laughs> but i think me reading reading it with like this kind of different point of view, it almost kind of helps me provide, or it helps provide me almost empathy for wrongdoers. Cause in a sense, it's huh. like, they're like, they don't even know 
that they're like being evil almost in a sense. Yeah, that's really interesting, Grant. It seems like there's multiple things happening here to me because I think you're right that especially verse two, in their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much (laughs) to detect or hate their sin. Mm. There's definitely a sense in which they kind of don't know what they're doing. I mean, all of us do this to some degree, like we self-justify, right? Like we we take a course of action and then we find a way to massage our ethics or morals such that that was the right thing to do. So I think you're right that there is something almost pitiable about them. Like it's mm. it's almost pathetic, yeah. <laughs> like in some sense, right? Like you just lied to yourself so many times <laughs> that you have no kind of moral compass. So I think that is one layer of it. And then also there's like the language of they fail to act wisely or do good mm. holds up. They still, even in their self-deceit, like there's still some agency. They, they still are choosing mm. this, right? They're not just kind of locked in one way and they can only ever choose that because they've lied to themselves so much. So it is interesting, like this way that like, yeah, they're sort of pitiable and yet they still have agency. But I think what you're saying, the use of the word empathy, I kind of find really interesting because I think mm. part of the painful observation, at least for me, I'll speak for myself and I won't speak for you, of reading about the wicked anywhere in scripture is you always, or at least I, again, I won't, <laughs> I won't put this on you or the listeners, <laughs> but it's not long before I start to recognize parts of those people in myself mm-hmm. or I recognize myself right. in them, right? It's like, hmm, hmm. yeah, I'm not, I'm not so bad at self-flattery sometimes you know, or convincing myself that what I've done is right. And that's where it's like, ooh, like there's a different kind of empathy that kicks in when it's like, Mm. ooh, actually like some of these things are things that I myself, you know, wrestle with. I don't know if that, I'm not going to force you to confess here that that resonates with you, but I'm curious what you think about that. No, yeah, I definitely think that's, yeah, that's a super important thing that, yeah, should be said because I think, you know, people are very like, you know, they're slow to want to look at scripture with that lens of Mm. like, with, with having the open mind to like, you know, have some of the like logs in our eyes pointing yeah, out, yeah. right? And so I think that's, yeah, that shows like, you know, I think a deep level of maturity and self-awareness when you can do that. And yeah, I haven't been the best at at that. I think like I, as I'm getting older, it's easier to mm-hmm. like notice these things yeah, that, sure. that, that I can be doing in my own life where I can read and be like, oh, wow, yeah. Like I can, I, I definitely mess up in that same way right so yeah i i i think like as i've gotten older that's been more prevalent for me well and so much of it too is like i mean you said it so well earlier you said we are the hero of our own stories Mm. (laughs) right or in this case particularly we're talking about these wicked people Mm. are the heroes of their own stories but that's really true for most of us right most of us live lives in which uh so much is oriented around yeah, we are the hero and here we go. And (laughs) if there's anyone in our way, it usually doesn't make us pause and consider the issues with the way. It usually makes us consider the issues with the people and the Mm -hmm. obstacles, right? So yeah, I think that's a helpful kind of framing and accessible for so many of us. Well, maybe we should pivot from talking about us slash the wicked. Not that I totally want to lump us in with the wicked, but the wicked and move to considering God who Mm -hmm. has, as you said, really equal, if not even more weight in this psalm. Oh, yeah. So, Grant, what would you say we learn about God from this psalm? Right. I think David particularly, I think in this psalm, he was kind of reflecting on like how he is being like treated. And not to say that, you know, David's being like, you know, selfish necessarily, but which in my off that way but i think he's really focusing a lot on like his own treatment and how he's being treated right and so when he he reflects on how he's being how he how he notes the the wicked because i know a lot of 
you know, commentators and stuff have kind of, you know, theorized that David is talking about, you know, Saul in mm. this psalm and during that season of his life. Hmm. And so I think there's some validity to that. David's talking about his own treatment, right? And so when I, with that lens, reading where he's talking about God and how um, amazing God is and righteous and, and he holds the upright, what I'm thinking David's kind of doing with with that part of the equation, as we said, is he's saying like God is the antithesis of how the wicked treat us. Like God's treatment of us is the antithesis hmm. of like the wickedness of the world and how it treats us. Yeah. So to me, it's like David is like, so desperately trying to seek comfort from God because he knows that's the only way he's going to get a sense of of security and protection because yeah. he feels like he's surrounded by mm. enemies he's surrounded by evil and like you know if you you know read a lot about David's life you know that kind of tends to be true through a lot of seasons sure. of his yeah. life and so I think again this is another one of the seasons where he's like you know God this world is out to get me and I'm surrounded mm. by enemies but you and your treatment is the antithesis of that. So I know that I can seek you in this time because I know that your treatment of me is is perfect hmm. while, the, while the world's is, is not and it's wicked. Which is a pretty big deal. Like that's a pretty significant thing to say when I think so often we are grappling with God not acting. Mm -hmm. Maybe particularly the way to put it is the way we want him to. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. To say that the way... The way you treat me, I think the way you just said it is something like the way you treat me is perfect. What a thing here in the midst of, and of course, it's couched not just in sort of the arbitrary ways, because God, I mean, this psalm is going to great lengths to say God is not arbitrary, right? It's his love. It's his justice. It's his righteousness. Mm -hmm. It's his faithfulness that goes to the skies, right? The grandness of who God is. But I love that. Yeah, the contrast, I think, is certainly kind of helpful. I was really captured by verse 9 which is for with you is the fountain of life in your light. We see light, which I don't find that obvious at all. What that means. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's almost like David yeah. just started getting carried away. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just yeah. kind of like, it keeps escalating in terms yeah. of ly lyricism, like mm. how priceless is your unfailing love. People take right. refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. Right. You give them drink from your river of delights. <laughs> yeah. With you is the fountain of life. Into your light, we see light. <laughs> and it's like, what What does that mean? But I mean, lots of people I think have reflected on this. Uh, a curiosity about this line is it was actually pretty significant in my master's thesis. Hmm. My master's thesis was on Thomas Aquinas. And he was trying to reflect on, to summarize it, essentially, how we know God fully. And part of what he was saying is our ability to know not just what God does, but who he is, sort of in his essence, uh, our minds, our ourselves, we're not capable of that as human beings. So we need a gift from God. And what he, what he essentially called that was uh, the light of glory. But he, interestingly, this 13th century theologian, would constantly point to Psalm 36, verse 9, as his evidence for huh. this. He would say, listen, here it is. In your light, we see light. Which I think Thomas was probably reading a little bit into Psalm uh, 36. I don't think David was doing a full sort of epistemological, how we know what we know <laughs> breakdown in that line. But I do think what both Thomas and David are onto is that there's a way in which when we encounter God, it reorients mm -hmm. kind of everything that we experience. Mm -hmm. We see light. Maybe light stands in here for joy. Maybe it stands in here for clarity. Maybe it stands in here for truth. It's a pretty rich metaphor that can, I think, carry all these things. Mm -hmm. But the point is, it's when we receive this gift from God, when he sort of shines his light, that then it completely changes 
like a flashlight in a room, right? Like mm-hmm. it completely changes the way you approach and what you're able to see. And I think, yeah, it's it's like one of those lines. I think that Bear is kind of constant meditating on in the simplicity of it. There's also depths in it, right? In your light, we see light. But that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that line? Were you did you have some some deep insight that I didn't when I first read it <laughs> <laughs> about in your light we see yeah, light? Honestly. Yeah. Not really. I was kind of, yeah, I was going kind of more towards like, okay, like he's repeating it for a reason. Oh, yeah. But I was thinking maybe it was just, I honestly, my mind was like not reading too much into it at all. <laughs> I was honestly just thinking it might have been just like a stylistic poetic yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choice. Yeah, so that's, that's where my mind went. But I think what you said was really, really, really helpful. I think that was awesome. At the same time, you might be completely right. <laughs> But the beauty of this is that God meets us in our Mm -hmm. reading, right? Well, talking about us encountering the Psalms in different ways, I'm curious, how does this Psalm help us to pray? Mm. Right. So in terms of, yeah, so like reading this again, like thinking of that question specifically, I kind of went towards verses 10 through 11 here. So like continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. So David's prayer is is focusing on helping those who who do know and love god Mm. so it's kind of it's kind of interesting that he's talking about his situation his own treatment both the good and bad treatment that he's receiving from both god and the evil wicked but then he pivots from that to now his heart is going out to those who may be in his own same situation so even though his prayer is focusing on on his own treatment his active request from God, mm. apart from the praise and apart from the lament of the yeah. evil, his active request from God is to please comfort those who know him and who love him, but may be feeling the same experiences that he may be feeling from the outside wickedness yeah. of whatever enemies that others may be facing, yeah. who may be in that same position. So I think that was a really beautiful thing that David recognizing his own situation and his own um, feelings, his heart immediately goes out to those who may be feeling the same thing, hmm. to those who love and know God and who may be feeling the same way. And so his prayer in, 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 in a paraphrased way is basically he wants, he's praying that God will allow others to experience the treatment of God that he knows that he's experienced. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I love that. And verse 11 is an interesting kind of piece of this too because he does then kind of become individual again, hmm. right? So it's interesting to put verse 10 and verse 11 in conversation, which they are. Continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. There is, I think, what you're saying, this beautifully kind of general, basically like follow through on yeah. your faithfulness. And then there's, and just in case I'm not clear, yeah. may the foot of the proud not come against me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so human. I love that, right? Yeah. Like, there's both the instinct to go broad and like, God, remember your people, mm-hmm. and also like, and also don't forget me. Right. <laughs> Which sometimes I think that balance is really healthy because sometimes we can be so focused on ourselves that we forget others. But also, mm-hmm. it's possible to get so lost in praying for others that we forget mm-hmm. like God also cares about us, right? right? Like He's longing to shelter us in His wings. Mm-hmm. I I honestly I struggled with this question quite a bit with mm-hmm. this psalm. How does this psalm help us to pray? And I mean, reading it several times, I was like, I mean, I guess you could just read and pray this psalm. But the more I read it, actually, I I was struck by, and this goes exactly, I think, to what you're saying too, 
there's almost a sense of which it can be a meditation on God's love. You sort of have the wicked who there is no mention of love in those opening verses. They are, in fact, they, they don't even have the fear of God in mind, right. right? And so in some sense, to even begin by orienting ourselves toward God's love is a, is a completely different uh, orientation. But then verse five has this idea of the grandeur of God's love. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. It's mm. beyond, we, we can never encapsulate it. Then verse 7 has this zooming in effect where it's how priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. It's near, it's intimate, it's protective, if that makes sense. And then verse 10, which you just read, continue your love to those who know you. In other words, bring your love to bear. And I thought one one really practical way to kind of pray could be sort of using using that kind of as a process. Like how great is your love? How near is your love? kind of elements of praise, so to speak. But then also, what does your love look like in my life today? In other words, what does it mean for you to continue your love to me, to those around me today? My guess is each day, maybe that takes on a slightly different flavor, depending on what we're encountering. But I thought, oh, maybe there's actually a little bit of a framework in terms of meditating on God's love that we could use from Psalm 36. Even as I struggled with this question, here we've come with two quite different but related ways to pray this psalm. Whether it's meditating on God's love or I love what you were talking about too, kind of praying for the community, mm-hmm. not just orienting sort of around us as the hero of the stories. I think that's really helpful. Grant, I'm thankful to get to have a conversation about this psalm with you. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for asking me. Yeah, this is, yeah, always a good time. Thank you so much. And I just, I just want to say again, you know, stay humble. Don't let those, those stylish tears in your jeans get you too high, lest uh, in your own eyes, you flatter yourself too much to detect or hate their sin. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, no, people know we love Grant. I love Grant. I only joke out of love. Let's end with these words from the psalm. Speaking of God's love, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. Friends, go out and pray the psalms. <laughs>